Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. If you're new here, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the associate pastors on staff, and I'm really excited to be bringing God's Word today. We're going to be closing out our Uncommon series. So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you don't have one, no worries. We got you guys. We're going to put the verses on the screen. But how many of you guys like our new Christmas decor? It's pretty, pretty cool, right? We have some amazing dream teamers that put that up uh, this week, so shout out to you guys. And, but I got to say, though, in the Amatrano household, we actually put up our Christmas tree two weeks before Thanksgiving. And so, yeah, it was awesome. There you go. We got a witness. And so put up our Christmas tree, Christmas music. And, man, we have been having the Christmas feels for a couple weeks now. So that's just how we do it in the Amatrano household. So for those who just aren't that much fans of Christmas, that's okay. We have a prayer team that will be waiting for you after service to get some prayer. And we'll be sure to get you on the right track, all right? So we're going to be continuing our uncommon series, like I said. And as we do, I want to introduce someone to us. Probably doesn't need any introduction. You probably know who he is. And whether you are an athlete, not an athlete, whether you watch sports or you don't watch professional sports, you probably know who this person is. It's Michael Jordan. And he's got hops. Look at that. I'm probably like right here. Like how I jump. Like. I'm not, I can't, I'm not a basketball player. And it was kind of funny because I didn't play a lot of sports in school, but I played basketball. That was my best sport, and I wasn't even that good at it. So how about I don't play anymore? But what's crazy about this is that maybe you don't even watch sports, but you might even, like, wear his shoes, okay? I'm guessing one of your teenagers wears his shoes because it affects your bank account. They're kind of expensive. Um, You'll see Pastor Matt walking up in his fresh jays. And I say fresh because you're never going to see a mark on them, okay? They're clean. They're amazing. They're sparkly, all that stuff. So <laughs> you may not know exactly who Michael Jordan is, like statistics, all that, but you have a good idea because he's a large-in-life personality. Money he's made, power, prestige, all of that. And what's very fascinating to me about him is that in 2009, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So he's about two minutes into his speech, and he's invited his friends, families, uh, ex-coaches, uh, ex-players, teammates, all that. But there is actually a, an awesome story about Michael Jordan, if you're, if you're familiar with him, is that he was actually cut from his high school basketball team. So that was kind of things, you know, it's very inspiring. If you were cut from your high school team, don't worry, because Michael Jordan was cut, and you can make it too. That never really inspired me, because I was like, no, I'm just not going to make it. But... <laughs> So that was the story, but you know, that's actually not exactly true. He was just cut from the varsity team. He, he just made his uh, JV team as a sophomore. So he wasn't cut completely. He just didn't make varsity. Nonetheless, he invites all his friends and family, and he even invited the teammate that his high school coach chose over him. Crazy. Right? Oh, that's cool, right? I mean, don't think anything of it, right? Like, inviting everybody. So... He's like about two or three minutes um, into his speech. I'm not making this up. You can YouTube it today if you want. It's kind of funny. And, but So he looks into the screen, and he's talking to his old high school coach. And this is what he says. I wanted to make sure you understood you made a mistake. And I'm like, I'm so just fascinated by that. This guy's a billionaire. I mean, he has so much popularity, so much, I mean, everything you can think of, Right. But he flew out his old high school team to say, see, 
I'm better than you. See, I'm way better than what this coach thought that I was. And I thought, how fascinating, but also how scary insecurity can be. Because when I think of insecurity, I think of, that's just a teenage problem, right? Like, you know, when you're growing up and you care about, you know, how people see you, how you dress, how much you weigh. I mean, that's just a teenage problem, right? I think as adults, we just get a lot better at hiding it. Or at least that we think that we're hiding it. And I'll give you an example. So I'm sure I'm not the only person that's happened to you before. But I remember, like, you know, I would text something out to a friend. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I didn't mean the way that I came out. You didn't hear my tone of voice. You didn't hear what I was trying to communicate. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, gosh, like, I didn't mean that. Like, please forgive me. And then it feels like an eternity. And then responding back. And it's only been, like, maybe 30 seconds. But it feels like 30 hours. But then a miracle happens. I look on my phone and I see the dot, dot, dot. Oh, gosh. So I'm excited because they're responding, but then I'm nervous. What are they going to say, right? So I'm freaking out. Uh, But then something even worse happens. Then my anxiety goes even higher. The dots, they disappear. You know what I'm talking about? You were going to say something to me, but you took it away. That's so cruel. Why are you messing with my emotions? I'm so insecure. And so finally the dots, dots come back up. 30 minutes later, why can't they respond to me right now? Don't they know that I'm insecure? And so, dot, dot, dot. And finally, you get a text that says, oh, no worries. I didn't think anything of it. Happy face. (sighs) You survived. You're okay. And it's like those funny little things where it's like, gosh, why did that matter so much? Why was I on the edge of my seat that I thought so much was on the line? And you might be thinking to yourself, I don't care what people think. I'm not insecure. That's probably your insecurity. Because when we go out of your way to say, I don't care what people think, you know, only, you know, only I can judge myself, or even when we use the phrase, only God can judge me, that's true. <laughs> but if it is possible for you to callous yourself so much that you don't care what people think because you do care what people think. That's why you callous yourself. So no matter where you are, no matter what age you are in life, insecurity can be something that you deal with. There's this thing called an um, imposter syndrome. That's kind of a new thing. I think it came about in 83 or 86 when psychologists started studying it. And what imposter syndrome is, is the persistent fear that you're going to be found out that you're a fraud. And it usually runs in high achievers especially those who have high revenue, just really great businesses. And so there is this idea that no matter how much money that I make, no matter how much position that I have, no matter how much people like my Instagram, my Facebook, and just talk, tell me how awesome I am, there's this fear that if they really got to know me, they wouldn't like me. So they feel like they're a fraud. It's that imposter syndrome. And isn't that what insecurity is? That we put up this image of what people want uh, that, that we think they would like, but deep down, gosh, if they really got to know me, they wouldn't like me that much. They really wouldn't value me. Why is insecurity such a big thing? Like, where does that come from? And it could be a lot of reasons, but I think a lot of it has to do with this. Is that when we place our value in what we do, we're only as good as our next performance. When we place our value in what we do, we're only as good as our next performance. 
So let's talk for parents, okay? I'm, I'm a parent too. If your goal, if your chief goal in life is to be the best father, the best mother, which isn't a bad idea, but if that's your chief goal and that's where you get your value from, if your kid makes one little mistake, you're devastated. Because everything has to do with how well you parent because that's where your value comes from. If you're someone where your, your chief goal is to be the best in your company, to be the number one salesperson, to be recognized and known as like the top person, once you make that one slip, maybe you're late to your job for the very first time and your boss calls you out on, hey, just don't be late again. You're devastated because everything was meant on how well you perform. If your value is in what you do, you're only as good as your next performance. And a lot of times we think that it's our failures that we put too much value in, but we also can put too much value on our successes. Here's the problem with putting our value in our successes. If you take um, credit for your successes, you also have to take credit for your failures. You can't have one or the other. And so placing our value in like what we do primarily, it's a, it's a game that you can never win. What's fascinating is that no matter what generation you came from, whether it's this one, 30 years ago, even 1,000 years ago, we're all wrestling with the same question. Who am I? Who am I? Somebody tell me who I am. Because if I don't know who I am, I don't know where my value comes from. I don't know, like, why am I here? Like, am I here just to pay bills, go to my job, have kids, go to church? What's my value? And this could probably be a even probably more frustrating question if you're a Christ follower, because you know the right answer. I'm not here just for myself. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here to make a difference. But when you look at your own life, it's like, I don't see any value in me. So how can God? That's what, you could, that's what we can just wrestle with. So what's, what's the solution to that? To that who am I question? I think the question's a great question, but it's not a good question to start with. Because if everything has to start and ends with you, then your life is going to be a very shrunken down life. When we read Psalm 139, this is David, and he's considering, he's meditating, he's just thinking about the love of God. And David says something like this, God, you know every thought even before I think it. You know every word before I even say it. You know the amount of hairs on my head. Wherever I go, there you are. God, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. You've crafted every step and every day of my life has been done by you. What he's really saying is if I'm going to know my meaning, if I'm going to know my value, it's not going to be found in anything else other than God. It's possible, despite our insecurities, despite the things that we struggle with, is that God can give you an uncommon confidence that has nothing to do with your performance, that has nothing to do with how well you do at your job, with your family. He can give you an uncommon confidence that has to do with God and what he says about you and what no one else says about you. It's all about uncommon confidence. And I just want us to be encouraged today so much because some of us feel so disqualified. I can't be a Christ follower. I can't be a leader of Fountain. Who am I to like lead a small group? You got to read your Bible. 
Because when you read the, your Bible, you find the most unlikely, disqualified, least people that would ever be considered for leadership. But God says, that's why I'm doing it. I'm going to choose the least of these so that you can see that no one can boast other than in me. So if you, just, if you feel disqualified today, God has a word for you today. He wants to encourage you. He wants to speak life into you. I just believe that God wants to bring an uncommon confidence. Are you guys ready today to dive in? An uncommon confidence. And so we're going to be looking at the life of David today. And give a little context, there's this guy in the Bible named Saul. And he didn't work out so well as the king of Israel. And that's a long story, but we won't go into that. He didn't work out. And so God charged the prophet Samuel to find Israel's next king. So God said to Samuel, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house, and you're going to find the next king. Okay? So here's where we pick up. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now, I wasn't there in that situation. Obviously, neither was you. But there was something about um, Elab's stature, his appearance. I was like, wow, he's got to be a natural leader. He's good looking. He's charismatic. He's very outward. He's magnetic. He has a strong presence. He has to be God's anointed, right? He has to be. This is what the Lord said back to Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his, by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. At the heart. And so what God was saying necessarily to Samuel is that we are way too impressed by the exterior, by what people project to be who they really are. And that doesn't really mean anything to God. You can project the best and the most righteous image, but if deep down, if your heart isn't right with God, it doesn't matter. And when you look in the Bible and the scriptures, most of the time when Jesus would rebuke somebody and correct somebody, wasn't the person who was partying all day and night and lived a sinful lifestyle, even though he did have correction. But often his correction would go to the people that were religious, that put on the act that everything was okay, but deep down there was some stuff that wasn't right. But they were projecting that it was okay. And so God's saying the things that we just project as amazing, as valuable, God has a different value system. We value things looking well, and God says, I actually want things to be well. And what's actually, what's so freeing about that is God doesn't just want you to cope. He wants you to be free. God doesn't just want us just to be in denial. He wants to cast our steps so that we can live a free life. And so that's what God said to Samuel. Don't be so twisted. Uh, don't be so, don't give so much weight to the outward appearance because that can only mean so much. Now, when I was in, I want to say, third or fourth grade, I was pretty gullible. I still am kind of gullible, but I was super gullible when I was in third or fourth grade. And my class knew that. So if you want to pull a prank, get Chris. You'll get him every single time. He's super easy to prank. And so I remember it was like after recess, we came into our classroom. And I don't know why our classroom had a sink, but it did. And um, this one prankster came up to me. I'm not bitter, by the way. Um, this one prankster came up to me and said, hey, Chris, there's something in your hair. Oh, oh, gosh. 
what should I do? I didn't even ask him what was in my hair. I just believed him. That's how gullible I was. And he was like, I, uh, grab this hand soap and wash it out. Okay. So guys, so I'm, I'm taking that orange antibacteria hand soap. I'm scrubbing it right. Put it on my hair. I'm scrubbing it. And then I, it feels like it was just yesterday. Everything slowed down. And I heard the door, I heard the, you know, the, the, the bell for the classroom. I thought, oh gosh, I have shampoo in my hair. I have soap. What do I do? <laughs> and so I'm walking back to my seat and I sit down and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember just in that moment where it had been so easy for me just to, you know, run out of there and just wash out my hair. But I felt so stuck in my insecurity that I just accepted it. Okay. People were snickering, people were laughing and all that stuff. But I remember just thinking to myself, I'm just going to play the part right now. I'm just going to accept it. And that's, what, and that's probably the most ugliest thing about insecurity is that when we struggle with insecurity, it doesn't just stay there. We actually have to do something by it because it can be very painful. So here's the thing with insecurity is that what you don't deal with, you'll mask. The things that we don't take to God, but we know that aren't right, we'll mask it. And so instead of getting free, instead of living the life that God would have for us, it's like, you know what? I don't want to deal. I'm just going to stay in denial. I can't do this. And then on goes the mask. I think that's what a lot of us struggle with, myself included. And I've worn many masks. And that's what I want to talk to us today about. How do we deal with the mask that we feel like we have to wear for people, but God wants to take off so that we can be free? Are we alive today, guys? God has a word for us today, and it's out of his jealous love for you. that He is just pursuing us today. Take off that mask. Because there's something that's more free on the other side that God wants to give to you. Now, there's many masks, and so, and I've worn many masks, and I still have to be careful of that. And so the ones I talk about today aren't, aren't an exhaustive list, but I think it's going to help a lot of us out. One of the masks that we wear is the success mask. That I have to appear successful in every situation. I have to be right. I have to be a know-it-all. I have to appear like I have it all, like, together. I'll give you an example. When I was when I was 18, 19 years old, I was a very zealous Christian. I loved my Bible. I prayed a lot, which, which, which you should be. But I remember people would just say, Chris, I love that verse. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. John 3, 17. No, that's not right. It's John 3, 16. Great, that changed my whole life, Chris. Like, isn't the verse still the same? There was like this constant need that I had that I had to be right in every situation. Why? Because I had to appear successful. I had to be on the top. And really, that is such an empty place. Because when you make success your mask, when things don't go your way, when you don't figure that out, everything comes crashing down. Some of us are wearing the success mask. Some of us are wearing the rescue mask. That I have to be a rescuer. That you will just put yourself into every single situation, even if you're not asked to. Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? Can I do this for you? Can I do this for you? It's like, whoa, 
can you please call me first before you come over? Like, I would love some help, but can you ask first? And here's why we have the rescue mask. It's because the only way that we feel valued is if, if we feel needed. And if we don't feel needed, we don't feel valued. That's why we have to get into people's lives. We have to fix everything and fix other people because we don't feel that value. Some of us, we wear the clone mask, maybe even the chameleon mask, that no matter what situation you're in, you fit that situation. You talk like everybody else. You speak like everybody else. You dress like everybody else. It's just you have to be like that culture that you're trying to project because you may not know who you are outside of that context. So it's like if I can just be like this person, maybe they'll like me, maybe they'll accept me. But that is such a hard place to be in because behind every clone's mask is a heart of compromise. And it's like, gosh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But I feel like if I don't do this, then I won't be accepted. That's what's so hard about the clone mask. And I'm sure all of us can relate to this mask is the everything is fine mask. It's great. It's good. Marriage is horrible. <laughs> I can't stand my spouse. We fight every single day. But everything's good. Don't worry about it. It's, it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Why do you say that with a smile? I don't know. I'm just, everything's great. Okay. You're struggling on the inside because you have such a call of God over your life and you know that. But inside when no one's looking, there's just a, there's just a struggle with what's happening in your heart. But yet you don't want to tell your smuggler that you're struggling because if you do, that might diminish how they see you. And the thing that you crave the most, which is acceptance, you can't receive because you can't be transparent about it. That's why small groups are so important, guys. And that's why we say it every single week is because you can't be fully loved unless you're fully known. Not saying you're not lovable. We're all lovable. Some of us more than others, but just plain. Um, <laughs> but you can't be fully loved because you're not putting your full self out there. So unless you're fully known, you're not going to feel, experience that full love that God has for you. I've dealt with so many masks. And one of my biggest masks that I've had was the mask of success. Like I said, I just had to be amazing in everything. I remember when Laura and I, it was like our first three or four months dating. And uh, we were bored. We were, I think we were trying to play some board games. And we brought out Monopoly. And I was just so competitive, you know. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to destroy you, right? I whooped that girl in 20 minutes, right? And I remember I thought to myself, wow, you have an issue. Like, it's one of those moments, you know, of wisdom where you're like, you know, sometimes when you win, you really lose. I definitely lost in that moment. <laughs> and so there was this thing in me that I just, I had to perform. I had to be the best. I had to be at the top of everything. But really, that, the mask wasn't even success. What I was truly masking was rejection. I had to feel successful because if I didn't, I'd feel rejected. So when I, was, when I did amazing things, that actually made it worse because then, then I ignored how my, eject, how my rejection was. You would not even guess because when I was growing up, I couldn't look you in the eyes. I would stutter whenever I talked. And like, oh, he's just quiet. Yeah, I was quiet. I, I, I definitely am an introvert if you really know me. Trust me, after like a long week, I definitely have Chris's Corner where I recharge. 
And so that's probably never going to change. But it was more than the introvert in me. It was the rejection in me that I couldn't, that I just couldn't, like, just deal with people. And so that would manifest itself in so many different ways. Like in ministry, I had to be the best. I had to preach the best messages. I had to lead the best meetings. I had to, like, be loved and respected by every single person. And if one person didn't like me, it would ruin my day. Ruin my day. How come, you know, this is probably, like, not the right way to think about it. I'm just so nice. Why would that person like me, you know? And I thought, gosh, that's insecurity. I have the need to be accepted by people because I feel rejected myself. And so I remember this one time. This was like early, like in youth ministry when Laura and I, you know, did this before Fountain. And we had like a really, we, we had an awesome outreach night. We had like, we we're inviting like teenagers and people who, who don't know Jesus to come. And we had three times the amount of kids that we ever had before. And I thought, like, it, it is an amen, but not the amen to me because I thought, wow, I'm awesome. <laughs> like, I'm great. Look at what I did, God. And I, I preached, like, Saul that night. People got saved. And I remember waking up the next morning thinking to myself, I don't feel any better or any worse about myself. I'm the same exact person that I was before that moment happened. And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart, Chris, this pursuit of feeling successful is an empty road. If you just stop placing your value in what you do, but really how I see you, you're going to experience my love, my peace, and my joy in a way you've never experienced before. Because here's, what I, here's what, what I wasn't telling people. I was preaching good. I was doing ministry well. But how I was experiencing the love of God, it was so dry. And the reason why is because I was craving people's attention. Tell me how awesome I am. Tell me that I'm amazing. But really, it was my rejection that was screaming out. So in that moment, I said, God, I repented. I was crying. God, I want you to be the one that I please and not people. And that doesn't mean that you walk around saying, I'm not going to please you. I don't care what you think because then you're a little weird, okay? So <laughs> don't do that. But there's a confidence that God wants us all to walk in. That even if I don't please every little thing on your list, I can still walk in the confidence that my God loves me. And that's all that matters to me. And so if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. That you can live for God's approval or you can live for people's, but you can't live for both. Jesus said that you can only serve one master, not two. And if you serve two masters, you're going to love the one and hate the other. So I didn't realize that when I was living for people's approval, I was actually despising God's approval. Because people's approval mattered more to me than God's did. And so there's a reality that God wants us to live in, guys. There's, a, there's such a freedom that when you take off that mask, if it's rejection, if it's insecurity, if it's anger, if it's fear, if it's unforgiveness, whatever your mask is that you're trying to hide, when you take that off, what's on the other side of that is the approval of God. And God's acceptance of you. So before we go any further, I'd be crazy not to ask you this question. What mask have you put on that it's time to take off? And I say that with sensitivity because I know, gosh, like, even acknowledging that we have a mask, that in itself is freedom. That we can acknowledge that we actually have a mask. But I, 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 put, that, I put that question intentionally because for a lot of us, we've, put on, we've had that mask on for a while, but 
how long, how much longer do you want to keep that on? Because if you put it on, now it's time. And God's time to take that off because God wants you to experience a freedom, a joy, a peace, something that you may, you've maybe never experienced before because that mask is holding you back. And so how do we do that? How do we allow God to take off that mask? Because you might be saying, Chris, I don't want to wear that mask anymore, but I feel so stuck into it. We have a really good example in David. So to keep going with that story, Elab was rejected by Samuel as the king. And so he said to Jesse, Jesse, do you have any more sons who, who I can look at? He brought out six more sons. And Samuel said, no, no, no. Is that it? Do you have any more sons? Like God told me to come here and find the, the, the next king. Where is my next king? And so this is what Jesse said. Yeah. They're still the youngest. Could you imagine that? <laughs> You're like in the other room. Yeah, I got one more son. I got one more daughter. But you know what? He's watching the sheep and the goats. What he's really saying is, yeah, I got one more son, but he's a shepherd. You don't want him. He's no good. And I bet that wasn't the first time David felt that way. I bet that wasn't David's first time of feeling insignificant. You're too young. You don't have much to offer. So just, I would, again, I might be reading too much in this. This is just my opinion. But I'm guessing maybe uh, Sam, no, Jesse put David out in the, in the flock because he didn't see too much into him. Because being a shepherd, that wasn't a steamed thing back then. That's like the lowliest task that you could do back then. And so let's just put David out with the flock. Let's have him be a shepherd. Could you imagine the mass that David probably could have put on while he was walking with his flock? Too young. I'm too insignificant. Rejection. My father has rejected me. My brothers don't even like me. Like, why am I out here? But yet David didn't put on those masks. He didn't. Look what he says in Psalm 23 as he's meditating about his time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Keep going. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. So just get this picture in your heart. David is tending, he's defending, he's leading, he's feeding his sheep. And as he's doing that, God's saying to David, David, the way that you're shepherding those, uh, th th that flock, that's the way that I, that I want to shepherd you. The way that you see your flock, they have nothing that they need. I want to do that same thing in you. There's that place that God wants us to get to. That you might want the acceptance from every single person, but God's saying, if you let me shepherd you, you can find your acceptance in me. You can have everything that you need, but it's found with the shepherd. Where does, where does confidence really come from? If you're, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Confidence comes from being close to God. Confidence comes from being close to God. Listen, listen to the tender words of David. Your rod, your staff, it protects me. It comforts me. I could walk through the darkest valley, but my God is with me. 
That's why so many times when we're in conflict with another person or our job is a little bit unsteady or maybe there's something in our life that's just causing chaos, it's natural to feel insecure. But the reason why we can be consumed by it because we don't feel the closeness of God. Where is he right now? And so if God, if it doesn't feel like God is defending you and guiding you, what's going to happen is you're going to try to be your own defender. You're going to try to be your own guide. If God isn't filling my need, I'll be my own shepherd. I'll figure out what I need because I have to do it myself. And so confidence, true confidence comes from getting close to your shepherd's heart. When I know who God is, when I know that he's a good shepherd, he's going to feed me, he's going to defend me, he's going to lead me, he's going to take me somewhere that I can't even take myself. Because that's how good my shepherd is. Can I get an amen, church? Being, when God's your shepherd, you shall lack nothing. Nothing. Don't ask me why, but this last couple weeks, my daughter has been watching um, her own birth video. Now, don't get freaked out. It's not graphic. It's not weird, okay? It, 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 it documented our whole day of what happened. And so she was watching that video, and it's just so cute because she was just crying. She's like, Mommy, Daddy, oh, oh. She can't say sailor. She says, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah, come out. I'm like, yeah, baby, here you go. You're doing it. And so, I, and she was crying, and, and it, it, was, it was funny because it wasn't like that tantrum, like, ah, like I hate everything cry. It was like this, just this sensitive, just, oh, wow, that's amazing. And I started thinking to myself, again, she's a toddler, so I, I don't want to put too much in how she's experiencing that moment. But I just thought, gosh, just me watching myself, I'm like, wow, what a confidence that comes from knowing where you came from. What a, what a just a confidence that comes from knowing that you know who your father is. You know who your mother is. There's just a confidence in that unbroken fellowship. And I, start, and I thought to myself, you may not remember your physical birth, but you can go back to your spiritual birth. That moment that when you felt you experienced the love of God for the very first time and there was such a confidence that didn't come from how well you performed or how well you were doing your life. It simply came from Jesus' grace. It simply came from the grace of God for what he saw in you, but you didn't see in yourself. How do I have that same confidence like David did? We see that in Ephesians chapter 1. Where Paul says it so poetically, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ. Your confidence starts not how well you perform by God, but for what he's done for you and through you in Christ. See, when we look at the cross, we see God's compassion. That as a sinner like me, Jesus came and he took my place. When we look at the resurrection, we see God's power. That Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he resurrected himself. His arm is never too short to, be sa to save somebody. He'll always save. He has the power to resurrect anything and anyone. But when we look at salvation, when we look at our spiritual adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High King, you know what that screams of? Our security. 
that because of what Christ has done for us, there's an unbroken fellowship that even if you try to get away, uh, get away from God, you couldn't because he's your father. When you know who your father is, you don't ask the question, who am I? You ask the question, whose am I? Can you answer that question with confidence because if you can answer that question with confidence that mask is going to come off i don't need to pretend to be amazing for my father because he is amazing he is full of grace he is full of of, of everything that i'm not and i don't need to trust in myself i can trust in jesus the mask comes off when we truly believe the gospel so i'm not talking i'm not just talking to people who just need to hear the gospel we all need to hear the gospel we can never get tired of hearing the grace of God. I love this word, blessed. Because I don't know, when I think about blessed, I think of, trying, I think of getting a close parking spot at Costco during the holidays. That's a blessing if I get one of those. You guys know what I'm talking about. But thankfully that word blessed means so much more than that. It actually comes from the word eulogy, to eulogize, to speak well of. And so get this word that before the creation of the world, before you were born, God had you in mind. And through Jesus, he spoke good things about you. He spoke of your acceptance in him. He spoke of the blessing it would be when you were born. He spoke of the difference that he wanted to make through you and in you and to impact this world. You, didn't, you never had to work for God's blessing. You had it in Jesus. And if there's one thing that I would love for you to take away today is that you don't have to work for God's approval. You have it in Jesus. You have it in Jesus. And when you live from that place, that's where the confidence comes from. That's where just that power comes from. Not because you're awesome, but because Jesus is awesome. Because Jesus is everything that he says that he is. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. And that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even if you had a bad moment, he's never had a bad moment. And so you can trust in his character. And that's what frees you to be who God's called you to be. As you wrap up, you might be asking the question, how did, how did David kill Goliath? That Goliath was so huge. He was so big. But look at what he says to, to Saul in this moment. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. The Lord who rescued me. What's so great, get this picture in your heart, is that as David's shepherding, a lion came to destroy him and he ripped the lion apart with his bare hands. When a bear would come and try to take David out, he would rip it apart with his bare hands. But David said, I'm not fighting Goliath because I think myself can take him down. I'm gonna take him down because the Lord has rescued me once and he's gonna rescue me again. So my confidence isn't in what I can do, but what God has already done for me in Christ. Some of us need to hear that today, is that you don't have to be your own rescuer. You can stand and look your Goliath eye to eye this week and have confidence that even though a weapon's being formed against you, it's not gonna prosper. 
because God is with you. He's for you. And just as long as you know that God is with you and for you, you can face any Goliath. You can take off any map. And you can be all that God has destined you to be.